Chapter Five of the Boy Scouts in the Rockies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Boy Scouts in the Rockies by Herbert Carter. Chapter Five: Taking Father's Place. Must be nearly up the top now, Thad. It was Giraffe who said this. The little party of four. Thad, Toby the guide, Giraffe, and Allen had been climbing upward steadily for more than an hour now, and even now the long-legged scout was beginning to pant more or less from the exertion. Having been through the valley more than once before, Toby Smathers had been able to take them along the trail that led up to the other side. Often they would have been at loss just how to proceed, only for his superior knowledge, and then the moon had risen too, which meant considerably in the way of light for topping the other range. It shed its bright illumination on the side of the elevation the scouts were now mounting so bravely. How about it, Toby asked the patrol leader, wishing to satisfy his own curiosity, as well as please Giraffe. Right thar now, and arter that we are going to have much climbing, but you all want to be careful about going too close to the edge. That drop is all of three hundred feet, I reckons. The guide made answer and think of all those sharks are leaving that boy part way down the face of that awful precipice said giraffe gritting his teeth in a way he had of doing when he wished to let everybody know just how mad he was taking a whole hour for us to climb up here remarked thad we can hardly count on getting back to the camp in less than another even if things go right with us well wasn't i wise then in saying we had to snatch up some grub to bite on on the way declared giraffe triumphantly I reckon now I'd never been able to dump up this far if I hadn't kept nibbling away at the stuff they handed us when we was starting. And there's more awaiting for us after we get back, which I take as a lucky thing, because my appetite is growing all the time while with this tough climb. On the way of the course, the three lads had indulged in all sorts of speculation concerning the cause of Colonel Cracker treating the son of Jerry Roston in such a scurvy way. And after the subject had been thoroughly discussed, it seemed to be the consensus of opinion that the boy must possess some map or at least some knowledge concerning the location of the hidden mine, which the money-mad prospector, whose one idea in life nowadays seemed to be the discovery of this rich silver load, was trying to force him to give up. Anyhow, Giraffe had declared with conviction in his voice, I give you my word now that Alec's been a Boy Scout some time or other because he wouldn't know how to wigwag that clever way if he hadn't. That it came to the same conclusion some time before, and somehow the idea gave him more or less satisfaction how often it was being made. Patient that the very fact of a boy taking up with the scouts might prove one of the most valuable assets he could possess. If the boy on the ledge, for they insisted on believing that Alec Roston must be a fellow of perhaps their own age, had not known how to communicate by means of a telegraphic code, he might have been considerably greater difficulty and letting them know of his predicament, and asking for immediate assistance. Of course, there were plenty of naughty things that none of them pretended to be able to explain, but then they felt sure all would be made clear once they had drawn the other up from his dangerous position on the cliff. Down along the face of the precipice that had been a cliff when they were below it, now and then they would come to a pause, it being necessary that the guide take an observation in order to locate their position. He had several ways of doing this, and Thad, as well as Allan, understood enough about them to know that Toby was making good, 
It was all so much Greek, however, to Giraffe, who fretted considerably because there was any delay the need of which he could not understand. But in the end, the guide announced that he believed they must now be about over the identical spot from which the fire signals had come. A dark void down below told where the great valley lay. The moon, about in full now, was hanging there just above the opposite range and lighting up their wild surroundings. Seems to me we ought to see him, if he's still there, grumbled Giraffe, just as though he meant to hint that if the imperiled boy had lost his hold and fallen, it would be partly because they had been so slow in getting there. Perhaps we may, replied Thad, as Toby crawled to the edge to peer over. But it wouldn't surprise me if we found that the face of the cliff backed in, and that would keep us from sighting the ledge or any one on it. Look, look, there's Toby beckoning us to come on, fellers, and the eager giraffe started to move toward the edge of the descent. Knowing the giraffe was inclined to be reckless in his haste, Thad kept close beside him, whispering words of warning. Slow now, giraffe, he said. Be careful, because we wouldn't like to have you take a plunge down there. You never know what would hurt you if you did. Thus warned the others to slow down a little, but quickly they all reached a position where they could stretch their necks and look over. The moonlight fell on the face of the precipice. They could even see way down near the base, where the sharp rocks that had fallen during countless years in the past were piled up in ugly masses. Just as Thad remarked, if anyone did the hard luck to fall over, he would never know what hurt him. It does slant in below, Thad, said Giraffe the first thing. Yes, and we got to call out to learn whether he's there or not, returned the scoutmaster. Then, raising his voice a little, he said, Hello, Alec, are you here? Immediately they heard an exclamation of delight, and came a reply. Yes, yes, I'm right underneath you, too, I think. Have you got a rope with you? Just what we have, and I hope it's going to be long enough, replied Thad. Then quick, tie a stone to the end and lower away. And when you've got it down opposite to me, give it a swing in and out so I can take hold of it easy enough, in the eager tones of one in whose heart new hope had taken lodgment. Thad lost no time in fastening a piece of stone, after which he started to lower away, all the while listening, hoping to hear a cry, that the stone had gone down far enough. As he was perilously close near the end of the rope, his heart began to misgive him, when suddenly came a hail, Hold on there, that's far enough. Now keep a tight grip up there. Get a hold with me, the rest of you, said Thad. Along the guide to be first, for he wished to take as much advantage of Toby's great strength as possible. When it came time for the hard pulling, Thad started to swing the rope inward and outward, as he had been directed. A minute later, the one below called again. There, I've got it all right, and I find you were smart enough to make a loop for my foot. Tell me when you're ready, and I'll let loose down here. I'll be a heavy load, and I hope you won't let the rope slip through. Looking down at the dim vacancy far below, Thad felt that the others had some reason for feeling a trifle worried over the possibility of an accident. So he hastened to reassure Alec. Four of us have hold here, and one is a strong man, so don't believe anything is going to happen to you, Alec. Tell us when you're ready. It's all right up here with us. Then I'm off, said Alec. With the words they felt a sudden heavy strain and knew that the speaker had allowed himself to swing clear of the ledge, as he suggested he would do. Careful now, everybody warned cautious Thad. There's no hurry about it, and we don't want to knock him too hard against the face of the wall. Easy, giraffe. Rome wasn't built in a day, and so make sure. Sometimes this is one of them. While Thad was speaking in this manner, he lay close to the edge of the abyss so he could guide the rope and avoid letting it be cut by any sharp stone. 
and at the same time watch out below. Foot by foot did the guide, assisted by the two scouts, draw the imperiled one upward. Presently, Thad could see him plainly below, swinging a little, turning around also, but always coming closer and closer. He was reminded somewhat of Smithy's little adventure on the preceding day, only in his case there had been really very little danger, although at the time the poor fellow had not known that a thousand feet of space lay below him, rather than a beggarly five, as was later on discovered. Now that Thad could stretch out a hand and touch the other. Lower still, he's right here, boys, he cautioned. Then he got a grip himself and held on. Giraffe came to his assistance. While Island and the guide continued to grip the rope, one supreme effort in which the one they were saving did his part, and then Alec Roston climbed alongside his young rescuers, panting hard with the exertion he had been through. Giraffe felt like giving a shout, but somehow he knew that would frown on any such demonstration, for scouts were in a region where danger of any kind might be expected to lurk. Discretion must take the part of valor, and noise be utterly prohibited, he could distinctly remember the patrol leader saying just those very words, and not so long ago either. So the explosive giraffe had to bottle up his enthusiasm for another occasion, when the cork might safely be removed. The scouts had already discovered that in one thing they guessed truly, for Alec Roston did prove to be a boy about the size of Thad and possibly in the neighborhood of sixteen years of age. He was beginning to get back his breath now, and even moved a little further away from the edge of the precipice, as though it possessed only terrors for him. Nor could Thad blame him in the least, for it must have been frightful torture to be left alone on a narrow shelf of rock, where he could not have any too good a foothold at best and might slip off, overpowered by exhaustion. He dared allow himself to lose consciousness and sleep presently, when the others had recovered his wind. He might offer to tell them what it all meant, and just why the vindicated old prospector and miner, Colonel Cracker, had dared place a boy in such a position of peril, for it seemed a monstrous proceeding in the mind of the scoutmaster. Now the boy was moving, the first thing Thad knew. A hand clutched his in a warm, fierce clasp and he heard Alex saying, Oh, how can I ever thank you for getting me out of that scrape? I wouldn't try it then, replied Thad, laughing softly. Why, we were only too glad to have the chance. It's been an experience to remember, too. The talk with the torches, the climb up the face of the mountain, and hauling you up safe and sound. We're Boy Scouts out looking for adventure and doing a little hunting, and this has all been just great for us. But think what it's been for me, said the other, with a quiver in his voice, although he tried very hard to disguise it. My poor mother and little sister came nearer to losing their man of the house than I liked them to know, because, you see, I've just had to try and take my father's place ever since he died. Your father then was Jerry Roston, I take it, said Thad. Yes, that was his name, answered the other, who had gone over and shaken hands with the guide, with Giraffe, and finally with Alan, in each instance giving a convulsive squeeze to their hand in a way that told more eloquently than words could have ever done. What intense gratitude filled his boyish heart. The original discoverer of the wonderful silver mine that has never been located since that time so long ago, Thad went on. Then you do know about that, Alec remarked quickly. I was wondering, seeing that you must be strangers around these regions, whether you had heard. Oh, our guide Tony Smathers here told us. He used to know your father, and he said there was a family located somewhere down in Utah. Scoutmaster continued. Yes, that's my mother and three small sisters. The youngest was a baby when he died, Alec went on to say, as though he realized that explanation for him 
must now be in order since the boys had done so much for him and besides even though they were next door to strangers to him some sort of freemasonry within seemed to tell alex that they were going to prove the best of friends he had ever known do you feel able to walk down with us into the valley to our camp thad asked i should say i did and be only too glad in the bargain exclaimed the other his voice filled with delight and while we're going i want to tell you just how it came that i was on that horrible little shelf of rock placed there by colonel cracker who said i would never leave it alive unless i gave up to him the secret of my father's hidden silver mine and he promised to come up there above me every day to ask me if i was ready to throw up the sponge but i'd have died there before i played the coward and told him what he wanted how could i ever look my mother and sisters in the face again if i saved my useless life by selling out their mind to that cruel and hateful man end of chapter five recording by kenneth sergeant gagan